What about jobs? People often mention if we regulate certain things, like things that pollute, well, some people won't be able to do what they used to do and they'll be out of work. People out of work, that's a drain on society. People out of work, they're not so happy. People want to work. If we don't let them work, that's a problem. Well, that's what people say. Near me, there's a store that sells trinkets. I don't know how to explain it. Pikachu stuffed animals and whatever trendy TV show is on. They have these little toys that they sell. I don't know if it's mostly for kids, mostly for adults. I think it's the sort of thing that when someone's coming home, they'll pass by there and they think, my loved one, my husband, my wife, my child, they will feel great if I give this to them. The way I look at it, these things are about 10 seconds of a forced smile followed by it's around the house for a little bit, then makes it to a landfill where it takes 500, maybe 1,000 years to decompose. And people 500 years from now are still dealing with a mess from this forced smile that didn't really make anyone particularly happy. I don't know if it makes people that much happier to get a trinket like this. I see that they're cute and adorable and they feel kind of soft against the skin. Are they of any value? Because I would rather my spouse came home and gave me a hug or looked me in the eye and said, I care about you or made me dinner, or gave me a shoulder rub. Come to think of it, if every day for 50 years my spouse came home, and instead of giving me a trinket, they gave me a shoulder rub, and after 50 years someone said to me, you've gotten a lot of shoulder rubs, 50 years worth, wouldn't you rather get one of these trinkets instead? After 50 years of getting a shoulder rub, I would still prefer another shoulder rub to one of these trinkets. These trinkets don't grow on trees. As adorable and cuddly as they are, they take many stages to make. I don't know if everybody knows, plastic is made out of oil. The materials to make these things, we have to extract out of the ground. Find me a place where people have found oil that was not environmentally degraded, that people weren't displaced in some way, wildlife and plants weren't displaced. And then there's the pollution that comes out from refining it. Plus, beyond the materials, you have to ship the finished product from the factory to some boat somewhere, from the boat in, I guess these things are probably made in Asia, across the Pacific to America to reach me, so it's got to be trucked across the country too. A lot of oil, a lot of transportation and other costs. The store clerk has to be paid. A lot of costs going into this thing, making create a lot of jobs. But it's not making my life better. If this store didn't exist, and I went home and gave hugs or got hugs, I think that would be a better world. Wait a minute, but then people are out of work. Well, let's just say you had that factory still operating. We'd have a better world if instead of the trinkets put into a shipping container, put into a truck and the boat and the truck, if you just located the factory right next to a landfill and had the stuff come out and just put the stuff into a landfill, that's actually a better world. I'm getting more hugs. I'm giving more hugs. There's less chance of this stuff making it into the ocean. I'm living a better life. The planet's better off. Oh, but wait, we don't have jobs for the people driving the trucks from the factory to the boats, operating the boats operating the trucks, bringing it from, I guess, California to New York. What do we do about the people whose jobs were once driving the trucks and operating the boats? If we paid people to drive around in circles and sail the ships around in circles, we would still have a better world. I would have more hugs. There'd be less pollution going to the air, although still some. Also, the people extracting the oil. If we're using somewhat less oil, we're going to pay them less. Well, then we would have a better world if we paid people, instead of extracting the oil, just to walk around in circles or do nothing and leave the oil in the ground, at least the part that was going to go for the ships and the trucks and the trinkets. Everybody's better off. My loved ones and I express and receive more genuine caring. People 500 years from now aren't cleaning up our mess, 
all the people who would be out of work are still now employed, just going around in circles or better yet, just standing around. The fossil fuels stay in the ground. We're not polluting the air. Everything in this hypothetical situation is better. This is obviously absurd, but actually we would have a better world if we paid people to do worthless things or nothing. And people who wanted to show each other that they cared showed they cared for each other in more benign ways. Well, benign, but effective and meaningful and touching. And it would be a yet better world if we simply didn't have the factory, didn't fill up the landfill, didn't drive the trucks around in circles, didn't sail the ships around in circles, didn't extract the oil in the first place. If we simply paid the people to sit around and do nothing, that would actually be a better world for everybody. The classical historical cases of buggy whips. When the cars came out, we didn't need buggy whips anymore. Should we keep people employed making buggy whips when they're no longer necessary? Or more to the point, should we stop making cars because people making buggy whips need jobs? If we legislated that things that polluted the world were not allowed, people wouldn't die. People out of work because of COVID, for example, clamor for work. People love to serve. People want to work. People want to do things that help other people. I don't know how much they want to do things that are worthless work. More to the point, I don't know where people's faith in entrepreneurship goes when they say that if we legislate certain things aren't allowed, that that's the end of the story. Constraints breed creativity. You have to have the problem for people to solve it. If the problem exists, entrepreneurs will solve it. I have great faith in entrepreneurs. If you wait for new jobs to exist before you legislate away polluting activity, it'll never happen. If, however, you create the need, entrepreneurs will fill it. By contrast, if you keep pushing counterproductive industries, we'll destroy the Earth's ability to sustain life in society. Look at what we're doing with oil. Look at what we're doing with timber. Look at what we're doing with overfishing. These industries like to say, oh, we don't want to kill our own industry. But there are plenty of people who operate the businesses at the top level, the decision makers, who can make a lot of money, say, destroying a forest so it would never regrow, that they make their money and the industry falls apart. And the people who made the decision, they do quite well. A small number of people who chop down the trees or fract the oil out of the ground, they get a little bit of jobs for a little while, and then they turn into ghost towns or Flint, Michigan. Economists are incredibly wrong in this area, especially the pure free market and Rand types. As a counterexample, I'm studying Edwards Deming. I won't give all the details, look them up. In 1950, he was in Japan, a completely bombed out nation, war-torn, well-known for being insular. I looked up the word insular. Insular means like an island, an island nation that was devastated after the war. A guy comes in from the outside, helps them transform their industries. How does it happen? It wasn't just him alone. Government and industries got together, figured out how to do things to get their economy going. They were known before him. Japanese stuff in the 50s was known as cheap junk, not worth buying. He helped turn that around through his management and leadership techniques that focused on making better quality, lots of other things. After a few years, nations around the world started putting up protectionist tariffs because they had such high-quality, low-cost goods. More importantly, within the nation, people did very well. Though the activity might have been anti-competitive by American standards, it resulted in a great deal of competition. Cars. They made cars, for example. Toyota, Honda. Japan has a thriving, competitive car industry. It also raised the quality of life for everyone there. And once the techniques got out to the rest of the world, for example, in America, it took decades for us to follow their model, but eventually we did in many places. And then we started transforming, creating more happiness, more products that help people. Keep in mind, this is on a national scale that Japan turned around, much bigger than, say, West Virginia's coal industry. Now, I would say that making cars wasn't the best thing in the world, but they didn't know that at the time. It took a while to figure that out. But that's the point. You need to see the problem to solve the problem. 
Have you ever seen pictures of Sao Paulo before and after they banned billboards? I'll put a link in the show notes so you can see the before and after pictures. It's amazing how different the city looks once they ban billboards. If you ban billboards, that doesn't make the economy impossible. It's harder to sell things like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Starbucks, things that are not healthy but exist largely because of marketing. They do allow small signs. If you have a store, a neighborhood store, you can put up a sign saying what you do. In fact, if you have a Starbucks, you can put a sign saying what you do. It just can't be a whole lot bigger. There's not a whole lot of advantage for these big national places that sell stuff that frankly doesn't improve people's lives. But even if you say it does, everyone's on a more level playing field and the city's much more beautiful. You just have to look at the pictures. Banning billboards didn't make life impossible. It led people to compete in different ways. It led people to do things in different ways and they're happy. So I'm pretty sure that if we outlawed, say just producing dioxin, PFOSs, PFOAs, say we just banned making carcinogens. And on top of that, we created some jobs programs to teach, you know, my book initiative is one way that's very effective to lead people to become more entrepreneurial and to create new projects. I'm not trying to just sell books here. Do something else if it works better, but enable people to create new jobs for themselves. Other nations have done things like this. We've done things like this to create jobs programs as we make, let's just say, just things that cause cancer illegal. We would improve the world by everyone's standards, including, in the long run, the free market and RAND types, certainly the people who are extracting and doing things that they know aren't making people's lives better. I think at the root of people pushing back on an idea like this is a belief that people want to be lazy. I just don't see it, certainly not in 99% of the people. At the last 1% of the people, maybe there are a few people who just want to be freeloaders. As far as I can tell, it's been that way since the dawn of time, that there are people living on the margins. Some of them are sick. We have to do something to support them if they can't support themselves, but they're still human. We still want to, we're not going to euthanize them, so they're going to exist. We have to help some people. If we're going to drive the entire economy based on some 1% of the people, let's forget about the people who are sick and say, okay, everyone's going to help them. Let's just say that there's 1%. Let's say 5% of the people are pure lazy and they just don't want to work. If you give them money, they'll take it and they won't do anything. Are we really going to let those fears drive us to ecological ruin? I'm simplifying yes a bit, but the gist is still there. And if you really want to sit down with me and hash this out, it works. I would much rather have shoulder rubs, dinner made for me, or for that matter, me to make dinner for my spouse, hugs, spending time together, and what entrepreneurs come up with when constrained. I would much rather all of that than a destroyed planet. Remember, all those trinkets mean extracting oil for materials to drive factories, to drive trucks, then boats. That's all to deliver. Oh, I didn't mention, in New York City, the Department of Sanitation's budget is $1.6 billion a year. We're paying people to haul the stuff back out again. That's a whole other thing to clean up all of this mess. But I hope I've made my point that if we legislated away things that hurt people, just things that hurt people, things that cause cancer, things that we know pollute, that the economy doesn't suffer and the world becomes much more beautiful. If we just legislate that stuff away, as sure as no one is suffering today from not having buggy whip factories, we would do just fine. And entrepreneurs, their creativity spurred by constraints, by demand, we would make the world better. Transitioning whole communities that depend on these things that we legislate away, that can take time. Government programs to help that transition. Government operates a lot of schools, and many nations have shown that this can work. And America has suffered when America has not done these things and other places have. So government programs, or for that matter, private industry programs, can help that transition. 
That transition is essential. That's how we make the world a better place. Allow the demand to happen through these constraints on things that hurt people, and we will see a better world. But simply to accept we need jobs to stop us from creating that demand, history has shown that economies driven by that fear lose out to economies that drive entrepreneurship, spur entrepreneurship, and for the parts of the economy and the regions that have to face this transition, help them, sometimes on a national level. So I put to you, let's not let that fear drive us to ruin.